Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. Luke 24, 44. Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you when I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And he opened their minds to understanding the scriptures. This is, this is something I pray over myself all the time. God, I'm praying that you will open my mind to understanding your word, the scriptures. Open my eyes, Lord, Psalm 119. Open my eyes that I might see marvelous things in your word. You know, God can do that. God can just, boop, just put something in your mind. All of a sudden, you know something you didn't know before. And I believe he did it for them. He could do it for, you know, I'm just going to keep crying out. God, open my mind. You know, it's like, when, it's like when Jesus talked to the apostles and said, who, who does the world say that I am? And they said, well, some say Elijah, some say the prophet, some say, you. Yeah, but who do you say that I am? And what did Peter? Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Who revealed it to him? The Father's in heaven. All of a sudden, the Father just, boom, put something, he just knew something he didn't know before. So you can pray that for yourself too. God, open my eyes that I might see marvelous things in your word. Open my mind, Lord, to understanding your, your word, the scriptures. That we might teach them in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. Are you out here? Come on. I feel like I just wanted to jump. I don't know why. Don't you feel like jumping today? Uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful day. Come on, we made it through January and we hardly had any snow. Australia is burning up. I mean, we're not. I mean, I, I pray for Australia. My gosh, they're getting cream down there. Hallelujah. Are we all? Oh, Luke 24, that's where we're at. And he opened their mind, and, and he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and rise again the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name, to all nations beginning from Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. And he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that what? And that repentance, the King James says repentance and forgiveness of sins. New American Standard and others say that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached or proclaimed to all the nations. You know, when we talk about the Great, the great Commission, we usually go to Mark chapter 16, where it says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every nature, to all creation. Well, what's the message? The message, I believe, has turned mostly, it's just come to Jesus. Just give your life, just surrender your life to the Lord. He'll forgive you of your sins. But Jesus said the message is what? The message is repentance first. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Or repentance and the forgiveness of sins. But what comes before forgiveness? 
Repentance. I want to talk to you just for a little while today about true repentance that God has called all of us. If you're coming into the body of Christ, one of the things we have to, we have to be aware of is that God has called us to repentance. Well, what is that? What is that? What is repentance? Are some of you familiar with it? But I'm telling you, it's been blessing me. I'm getting a fresh revelation. I'm asking God just to kind of open my mind to these things in Jesus' name. Repentance. What is repentance? What does it mean to repent? We're all called to repentance. Well, if you look it up in like in a, in a, in a dictionary, today it'll say, uh, I looked it up online, like an online dictionary. It says, uh, a sincere regret or remorse or sorrow for one's actions. But biblical repentance is more than that. It's more than just being sorry. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, I'm just going to pick it up in verse 8. For though I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Now, if you're reading a, 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 an original King James, an old King James, the, the King James uses the word here, repent. But the Greek word really is not repent, it's regret. And it was, so it says, though I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I see that the letter caused your sorrow, though only for a while. So it's like, I wrote this letter to you about what's going on, and uh, I'm kind of sorry that I hurt you a little bit, but I'm not sorry because I needed to write it. For now I rejoice, not that you were made sorrowful, only made sorrowful, but you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. For you were made sorrowful according to the will of God, so that you might not suffer loss of anything through us. Listen, verse 10, for the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces repentance without regret, leading to salvation, but the sorrow of the world produces death. So God says there's a, there's a godly sorrow, and that godly sorrow is not just I'm sorry, uh, I'm sorry I did it, or I'm sorry I got caught, or I wish it wasn't wrong. Or, but see, you can, have a, you can have a worldly sorrow and feel really sorry and guilty for your sin, but never make a decision to change. And God says repentance leads, a godly sorrow leads to repentance, leads to change. Repentance means to change. It means to turn around. It means to change your mind, change the way you think. And that's what we're called to before we come, when we come to God. We're called to repentance first. Oh man, I just feel like I want to explode. Biblical repentance is a, it's a turning a turning from sin. In the New Testament, it's always a turning from sin and a turning to God. You know, it's basically saying, I've been living with my, with my back to God and my face to the world. And I've been just doing everything I want to do. But now I'm going to turn around and I'm going to face God and I'm going to put my back to the world. And I'm going to live to please Him and, and, and no one else. When, when, we get a, when we get a grasp of what repentance is, all of a sudden, to me, it's like so many other scriptures start to just kind of make more sense to me. You know, like 2 Corinthians, 2 Chronicles, I mean, 2 Chronicles 7.14, where, where it says, If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and what? And turn from their wicked ways. So that's Repentance. Then I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I'll heal their land. But what comes before I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin, and I'll heal their land? Humble yourself. 
Pray, seek my face, and turn from your wicked ways. That's repentance, a turning. Repentance is a turning, and it's also a change of mind. It's like I'm going I'm to start thinking different. I've been making all my own decisions. I've been running my own life. I've been living to please me. Now I'm going to start living to please God. See, I'm going to, I'm going to think God's thoughts. I'm going to do what he wants me to do. That's what it says in, remember in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. In Isaiah chapter 55, uh, the, the prophet Jesus, God says, you know, for as my ways are high, as, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so my ways are above your ways and my thoughts above your thoughts. You know what I thought, I thought, you know, his ways are not just a little above our ways, as high as the heaven is above there. They're so far out there. But we can know God's ways if we'll surrender to him. If we'll allow our minds to change. If we'll change our minds and make a decision. One of the things that I've found out about repentance is that it's not based solely on an emotion. It's a decision. I decide to change, whether I feel good about it or not, whether I, whether I feel something. Because emotions are... Emotions are crazy. You're up one day, you're down the next. You're happy, you're sad. You're, you're, you're. Emotions are all over the planet. But God wants us to be, make a decision. I'm going to turn. I'm going to follow God. I'm going to turn. I'm going to do, I'm going to think his thoughts. I'm going to accept his ways in my life. I'm going to allow him to deal with me in some issues, some motivations, some habits, some things. I'm going to allow him to, I'm going to surrender totally to him. That's what repentance is. And repentance comes before forgiveness of repentance and forgiveness of sins. See, I feel like, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not critical of anybody or the way they preach, they preach. But I just see, I just see a pattern where God is saying, you need to repent first. You know, and when I looked at that, I thought, that's why John the Baptist had to come before Jesus. Why? What did John the Baptist preach? He preached a message of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. But he, the, the repentant message had to come before the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The repentance had to come first because your, your heart has to be ready to receive what God has for you. And so John had to come first. And that was his message. What was his message? What was John's message? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What was Jesus' message? Repent. <laughs> I mean, it's throughout the... It's throughout the well, I don't know why we haven't seen... I don't know why we haven't seen this. I don't know why we don't emphasize it more. When we call, when we call people to come to God, it's like you, you're going to re, you're gonna have to change. You can't just come to God and just start and keep living your own life. You're going to struggle your whole time if you do that. Your, your Christian walk will be an absolute struggle if you haven't... I mean, it's going to be a struggle if you totally surrender. Come on. It's never a free ride for anybody. But it's really going to be a struggle if you haven't made that decision that you are going to totally sell out to God. Am I all right? Yes. See, you can, you can feel guilty for your sin and never truly repent. It's a decision that we make. I think a lot of Christians, you know, they want to live for the Lord. They want to please Him. They want to make sure they're going to heaven. But they've never really surrendered. They're, they're just, you know, 
I want to maintain control of my life. And it, you, you, your walk with God is, is going to be miserable. It's going to be difficult. There's always going to be this clash going on. My will versus his will. And listen, I feel like I've surrendered to God. I really do. I feel like I've totally committed my life to God. But there's still a struggle. There's still parts of my life that I struggle to, to totally surrender all the time to the Spirit of God. I'm not talking about gross sin, but little things. You know, should I eat that chocolate that's sitting there or should I just walk by it? Well, in order to keep my wife from eating it, I'll eat it. I'll, I'll, I'll throw myself under the bus. Because I know she shouldn't. But you know, even in little things, one of the hardest things to do, I think, is to really totally surrender to God. Every aspect of your life, every thought, every action, every word. But it's what God's called us to. True repentance. The message runs throughout, throughout the Bible. John's message, repent. Jesus' message, repent. What did Peter preach? On the day of Pentecost, at the end of his sermon, at the end of his message, he said, now when they heard, when the people that were gathered around, when they heard Peter, they were pierced to the heart, and they said to him and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, what? Repent. First thing. And each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. First thing. What do you need to do? Repent. Turn. Change your mind. Come to God, but make a decision that you're surrendering to God. Your whole life is going to be in His hands. You're going to do things His way. You're going to accept His motivations. and You're going to walk in the love of God and the love of others. You're going to do that in Jesus' name. In Acts chapter 17, don't have to go there. The Apostle Paul, in his final message to the church at Ephesus, he was on his last, what we call his last, his third missionary journey. And he was at the church at Ephesus. And he says, and one of the things he said, he said, God is now declaring, in his final message, he says, God is now declaring to all men everywhere that they should what? Come on, say it with me. Repent. Repent. I love it. You know? And when Paul was in Athens... Preaching on Mars Hill. It says he's testifying. God is testifying both to Jews and Greeks of repentance. They were testifying. He was testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. What comes before faith? What comes before forgiveness? Repentance. A turning. A surrendering. A changing of our minds to do things God's way. In Hebrews... In Hebrews chapter 6, in verse 1, the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again 
a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. So in, the, in Hebrews chapter 6, the writer of Hebrews is talking about what he calls the fundamental principles of the doctrine of Christ, of the teaching of Christ. And it says, well, the first thing, the first fundamental principle is what? Repentance from dead works, followed by faith toward God. In other words, repent. Stop thinking you can find God on your own. Stop thinking that you, your good works are going to earn you a place with God. Stop thinking that. That's dead works. You need to repent from that. You need to change. You need to turn God. And then have faith in, in the Lord, in, G, in God. Faith in what God did. It's through Jesus Christ and his death and his resurrection. But repentance comes first. You know, I don't know why. It's like some, I think we've missed it so many times. When we're calling people to God, we say you've got to repent. You've got to change. It's a change God is demanding from every one of us. And if we'll change, then we can receive forgiveness of sins. We can receive the new birth. We can receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But we have to come to him in humility and in repentance. Hallelujah. Turn with me to Luke chapter 15. In Luke chapter 15, there's a story of the prodigal son. And I know we probably know this, but I just want to glean from it. Because it's a wonderful story of repentance, of coming back to God. You know the story of the younger son said to his father, Give me my share of the inheritance. And he took the inheritance that his father gave him, and he left. He left home. He went away. And lived a sinful, worldly life. And the Bible says in verse 14... Now when he had spent everything, verse 13, and he squandered his estate with loose living, wine, women, and song. You know what I think? The pull of the world is so strong, especially, I think, on young people. Give me my inheritance. I want to go out into the world. I want to experience all the things that the world can give me. How many times have you seen young people that grew up in church, that grew up in a Christian family, and they go away to school, they, go, they start living on their own, and they start doing all the things that they know they shouldn't do, but it's somehow there's this pull. You know, your friends are doing it, everybody else is doing it, they're enjoying all the quote-unquote, the pleasures of, of, that the world can give them. And they feel cheated unless they somehow or other participate. With, instead of saying, no, I know that there's a right way. I know God's way is the best way, and I know God will keep me, and God will, you know, and there are some things that I can't do, and that's just the way it is. Because I want to please God more than I want to please myself. But the pull, that pull, what does it say? It said, Moses... 
forsook what the passing pleasures of sin. There's some there's some pleasure. You know, I, I, we were in Canada years ago listening to Peter Youngren preach, and Peter said, you know, I've heard people say, oh, you know, those people in the bars and stuff, they're just they're all miserable. He said, no, they're not. They're not miserable. They they think they're having a great time. They're hooping it up. They're getting drunk and they're sleeping around and they're doing all this kind of thing. And you know what? All that does tickle the emotions. It tickles the flesh. There is a there is a draw to it. But some but in the end it's disastrous. It's ruinous. God knows that sin is disaster. Sin destroys us. But the pull is there. It's what God said to Cain in Genesis when his sacrifice was rejected and Cain got angry and God said, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. There's always going to be that pull. Those thoughts that come. I'm being cheated. Somehow or other, there's, I, can do, I can't do all these things that everybody else is doing and it's, I want to experience that. Don't buy into that lie. Just a lie. God knows that you live for him, you'll be blessed. But he succumbed to that. He took his inheritance and he left. And a famine hits. After he'd spent everything, the famine hits. And he finds himself feeding pigs. A Jewish boy feeding pigs. How low can you get? And he wished he could eat what they were eating, but he couldn't. And nobody was giving anything to him. And then it says this, finally, in verse 17. It says, but when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired hands, hired men, have more than enough bread, but I'm dying here with hunger? It's like he got a revelation. It's like the light went on. Here I am sitting here dying, starving, but I know that even the, even the hired servants in my father's house are eating better than I am. It's like, what am I doing here? When you don't know God or when you've walked away from God, you have to come to yourself. You have to come to your senses and say, you know what? I need to go back to my father. I need, this, is, this, this is wrong. Something is it's tearing me up. I need to go back to God. I need to go back to what's true and what's right. Even my father's slaves have something to eat. I'll get up and I'll go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired fans. I'll get up and I'll go to my father. What is that? Repentance. I'm going to turn. I'm going to turn my back on this life. I'm going to turn my back on this lifestyle and this way of living. I'm going back home. I'm going back to my father. I've sinned against heaven in your sight, he said. You know, if we're going to come to God, we have to not hide our sin. He's not hiding his sin. He's not trying to minimize his sin. He's not trying to cover it up. He's not trying to make light of it. And he's not looking to just kind of... Skip back home and say, well, here I am. Praise the Lord. Now he goes back repentant, sorrowful. 
I don't even I don't even want to be called a son any longer. Just let me be a servant. Just let me live in your house again in any capacity. I've made a total mess of my life. Will you take me back? He says, I'm going to go. He's not even sure his father will take him back. He's just going back hoping. But here's the goodness of God. The father said, saw him a long way off. You know what that tells me? He's watching for him. Every day. Standing there waiting. God, will you want to go? God will let you go. The father never chased after him and said, no, no, don't go, don't go. You want to go, he'll let you go. But he's also waiting for you to come back. He's watching you. The father saw him, and the father ran to him and embraced him and hugged him and kissed him and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and killed the fatted calf. And he said, We have to rejoice because the son of ours was dead and he's alive. He's back. God will receive us when we come back to him with humility and repentance and sorrow. God, just take me. I'm sorry. I made a mess of it. But here I am, Lord. I don't even know if he'll take me back, but he will. He'll run to you and he'll embrace you and he'll welcome you and he'll restore you as he did this. That's the way the love of God is. Total forgiveness. Total acceptance. But I felt like I wanted to also say this. Because when you read the story of the prodigal son, it does kind of seem like you can just go out, walk away from God, do what you want to do, live a sinful life, and come back, and everything is like, you know, that's it, we're back, everything's fine. and It didn't cost us anything. But walking away from God can cost you. It's not always, God never, I don't, I don't want people to read this and to think, oh, I can just walk away from God and come back anytime I want, everything will just be fine. It won't cost me anything. No, it'll cost you. Someone said this about Sin. You'll go further than you thought you would. You'll stay longer than you thought you would. And it'll cost you more than you thought it would. There is a price to pay for our disobedience. God loves us. God will take us back. But there is a price to pay. There can be a price to pay. Hebrews. Turn with me just real quick to Hebrews chapter 6. I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 12. In Hebrews chapter 12, in verse 14, it says, Pursue peace with all men and the holiness or the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. That there be no immoral or godless person like Esau, who sold his own birthright for a single meal. For you know that even afterwards, when he decided to inherit the blessing, when he wanted it back, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, though he sought for it with tears. The it there does not refer to repentance. The it refers to the blessing. The blessing that he surrendered 
because of just for a bowl of food. But he was rejected because he found no place of repentance, though he sought for the blessing. He wanted his blessing back, but he couldn't get it. It was lost. It was gone forever. It was irrevocable. It wasn't coming back to him. Sometimes it'll cost you. You know, in, in 2 Samuel chapter 10, chapter 12, don't have to go there. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, the prophet Nathan comes to, comes to David after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba and had her husband killed. And he comes to him and he said, you know the story of Nathan when he comes and he says, you know, there was this, there was this poor man that had one little ewe sheep, one little, one little lamb, and the lamb was like their, their pet. And it would sleep with them and they'd eat, it'd eat at his table. It was their favorite little lamb. And there was a rich man that had all these flocks. Had everything. And a stranger came. A friend came to the rich man's house. But instead of taking one of his own sheep, he went, he took that one little ewe lamb. That one little pet lamb that that family that they loved. That was their only thing, their little pet, the only lamb that they have. He took that instead. And David got real mad, and he said, oh, that man ought to be killed that did that. And what did Nathan say? He said, you're the man. You could have had any woman in the country, but you took someone else's. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word, and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.